and a very pleasant morning to everybody. Always a joy to come here to Thomas Aquinas College, this place that in sight and sound, in its beauty, gives glory to God. A privilege to be with you today for this baccalaureate mass and for the commencement. Since I'm giving a more formal discourse later this morning, uh, if you permit me, just a simple reflection at this mass. We can derive a theology of the Trinity from the biblical claim that God has spoken. Deus Dixit, God has spoken, elemental to a biblical sensibility. If God has spoken, there must be a divine speaker. And this person we call the Father. The author of the letter of the Hebrew says that God has spoken in varied and fragmentary ways to our fathers through the prophets. He meant the Father had spoken some of his truth throughout the prophetic tradition. And we get followed Thomas Aquinas in saying that whenever we confront the truth, mathematical or scientific or psychological or literary or philosophical, we're also hearing something of the speech of the Father. Whatever is true is from God. But then, as the author of Hebrews also tells us, in these last days, he, the Father, has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the reflection of the Father's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. This complete word of the Father, this utter expression of the Father's truth, we call the divine person of the Son. Now, since the Son is divine, infinite truth, it's impossible for us, with our limited capacities, fully to take him in. Therefore, we require a divine interpreter of the word. This divine interpreter we call the Holy Spirit. So from the Deus Dixit principle, God has spoken. We know there's a divine speaker, the Father. We know there's a fullness of the divine word spoken. That's the Son. And we know there's an interpreter of the word called the Holy Spirit. Now, in light of that clarification, let's return to the words of our gospel for today. We are at a very sacred moment in the gospel of John, that high priestly discourse of Jesus, a kind of last will and testament he gives to his Apostles, listen now to what he says. When the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, he will testify to me. I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. Can I suggest to everybody, these words are almost unbearably profound, because they bring us, first of all, into the very inner life of God, 
into the play between father and son and spirit, but they also introduce us to the central dynamic of the life of the church. The father has indeed spoken the son, the fullness of his word, but listen again, we need an advocate, an interpreter who will lead us into all truth. The church in its earliest days couldn't bear all the truth. That's what Jesus says. There's so much more I, I have to tell you, but you can't bear it now. What's required is the ongoing influence of the Spirit, up and down space and time. The work of the divine interpreter. I'll give you an example here. If you had turned to... Um, St. Peter, the Galilean fisherman. And you had said to him, there are relations within the divine substance that don't involve accidental modification. He would have said some version of, what? what? If you turn to St. Thomas, the apostle, and, and said, within the unity of the Godhead, we have two processions, three persons, and four imminent relations, active and passive generation, and active and passive spiration he wouldn't have had the foggiest idea what you're talking about. Now, it's to cast no aspersions whatsoever upon Peter or Thomas. Listen, who, as St. John said, saw the word with their own eyes, who, who looked upon him and touched him with their hands. They had a direct personal contact with the word of God. But yet, they couldn't bear the fullness of truth yet. The interpreter, the spirit, needed time to unfold for the church the fullness and depth of that meaning. You know, here the um, clarifications of John Henry Newman are very helpful, I think. So Newman said famously in the mid-19th century, don't think of the church's tradition as, as like a football that Jesus handed on to the apostles who then handed it on simply unchanged from generation to generation. No, Newman said, the tradition is much more like the unfolding of a seed, that what was planted has now grown over time and across space into this mighty tree. Listen, implicit in the seed, yes, indeed, but requiring time fully to unfold. Or, Newman says, the tradition is more like a river, far less impressive at the beginning, far more impressive at the, at the end of the river, when after much space and time, having taken in many influences, having widened and deepened, the river is now an impressive body of water. So the tradition has unfolded under the inspiration of the interpreter. Will there be a theologian in, say, 500 years who sees more deeply into the Trinitarian mystery than even Augustine or Thomas? Please God, yes, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You can't bear all truth now, but in time, the Spirit will unfold it for you. Now, friends, this is where we all come in. And can I draw your attention now to that magnificent passage from the prophet Joel? Cited, by the way, by St. Peter himself in the Pentecost sermon. Remember in the Acts of the Apostles? 
when he's laying out for the first time the Christian mystery, and he cites this passage from the prophet Joel. Listen, I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. That's what St. Peter shared with them on Pentecost morning. Though the prophet Joel himself perhaps didn't see the full implications of his words, he was talking about the church. Let me say that again. He was talking about the church. What is the church, everyone? Now, across space and time, from the time of of Peter and, and John and Thomas to our time right now, it is this great unfolding of the fullness of the truth of the word under the guidance of the sacred interpreter of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes, of course, we know this, not indiscriminately, but it comes through the hierarchy of the church and through popes and bishops and councils in an ordered way, but meant to be poured out on all mankind, as the prophet Joel says. All of us, everybody in this room, meant to look into the mystery of the word under the guidance of the Spirit. Every one of us in this room meant to move under the power of the Holy Spirit into the mission that Christ gives us. This magnificent prophecy of Joel is describing us now. We've all got a mission. We've all got the call to look in our own way profoundly into the mystery of the word. It's called, everyone, the high adventure of the spiritual life. And how beautiful that we can reflect upon this during this mass of the Holy Spirit. What's a good day to begin the high adventure of the spiritual life? Every day is a good day to begin the high adventure of the spiritual life. God has spoken. The Father has spoken his Son. Under the guidance of the Spirit, we now move more fully into the luminosity of the Son. That's the call that every one of us in this room has. 